Smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. And the finish at the near post from Lucas Paqueta. Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still. Oh my word, what a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. The ex-delivery again. Duzzi's header. He's a clinical finisher. Arkadiusz Mili. Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta. Playing again. A Dolberg. Oh, Benyera. Beautifully done. Sensational. Bonjour and bienvenue to Le Beaujeu, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Whether you're listening close by or as far away as a Wabi Kazri shot, we wish you a very warm welcome. It's the podcast that's always on the right side of Delors, and in this action-packed edition, we'll find out what it's like to get an ovation from the Parc des Princes, talk Lyon learning from their mistakes, and ask if Marseille can go under the radar. All that, plus a chance for you to test your Ligue 1 knowledge in our Deja Who competition. Now, it is a public holiday in France, so we're a little light on numbers today. We've rotated the squad. My name's David Crossan, off the bench as host, as Matt Spiro is away. And with me on the show is Andy Scott, a man who had a busy weekend of Ligue 1 action and uh, needed to lie down after commentating that Kasri goal. How are you doing, Andy? I'm not bad, thanks. Well, it's uh, it's, it's late morning here in Paris, so at least that's given me time to, to come back home from my Halloween night out because that's how I roll, so... Yeah, I'm still in my fancy dress, but ready to go. That's good, good. Yeah, no, the French people really do like partying when they've got a public holiday to sleep it off the next day. But no rest for Andy and myself as <laughs> we crack on with going through the best of the Ligue 1 action. And where else could we start? But the Parc des Princes, where Paris Saint-Germain were taking on Lille. It was the Ligue 1 leaders up against the Ligue 1 champions. And I was at the Parc des Princes to commentate that one. Bomber. Yilmaz good play from Burek Yilmaz and Lille get the goal that they've been threatening to score it's Jonathan David's 8th of the season Neymar for Di Maria Di Maria Marquinhos must be is the captain well forward and Marquinhos unmarked equalises for Barry Saint-Germain Di Maria Neymar Back to Di Maria. Di Maria scores for Paris Saint-Germain. They've come from behind to lead two goals to one. Di Maria has been Paris Saint-Germain's best player on the night and he might well have scored the winner. Well, Andy, uh, I know you were there as well because I saw you. Yeah. I only saw regular podcast panellist Robbie Thompson on the big screen, but it was, it was a bit of an emotional night for, for us as well as for him. He does the pre-match show. And he actually got a, a bit of an ovation from the Parc des Princes. He got very generous applause when it was revealed that that was going to be his last before heading back to Australia this week. And I, I wouldn't say it was a standing ovation like he'd just scored the winner that sealed the league, but it was at least uh, he'd done some good covering defending or something like that. So, so well done, Rob, and we wish Rob all the best for his future in Australia. And uh, we look forward to having him back on the League and podcast very, very soon indeed at a different time of day for him. Uh, let's get back to the game. And Lille went in front thanks to Jonathan David, who'd scored the winner uh, in the vital match in April before going off injured. And they were by far the better team for, for the bulk of proceedings. I thought in the first half, Andy, Paris Saint-Germain was strangely passive and that was epitomised by the goal that Lille scored where they went from one end of the pitch to the other with so many players touching the ball and not one Paris Saint-Germain player getting within, what, three or four metres of the ball carrier. 
Yeah, it, it, absolutely right. I mean, I, I hold my hands up and say, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there for um, Robbie's um, the 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 applause that Robbie got from the fans because I was suitably late in arriving, although I was there in time for kickoff. And um, I, th- I think that it's it follows a pattern that we've seen with with Paris Saint Germain this season. Of course, it was another uh, often disjointed performance. Certainly, the first half and up until about the hour mark, um, Lille were very good. PSG were very disappointing. Uh, they came roaring back. Obviously, uh, the, the Marquinhos equaliser gave them the platform from which to go on and win the game. And, and once again, it was a late winning goal. And, and, and it's the, the third time in the last four home league games in which they've come from a goal down to score um, a late winning goal and win the game 2-1. They did it against Lyon. They did it against Angers. Now they've done it against Lille as well. Of course, it happened against RB Leipzig at home in the Champions League as well a couple of weeks ago when they were 2-1 down and came back to win 3-2. There have been other instances of this this season. And I think there's two things you can take from that. On the one hand, we expect better from PSG. I say it every time, and I'm not the only one on this podcast who, who says that, that PSG should be playing better than they are because they have the weapons and the quality of players to do that. Uh, and that is concerning. On the other hand, I think Mauricio Pochettino deserved credit because I think the, the changes he made in the second half against Lille, bringing on the two fullbacks... Um, about well, just past the hour mark it was when he brought on um, Dagba and uh, Nuno Mendes and took off Kehrer and um, Juan Bernat. I think that really helped them. I think that really helped them get higher up the field and um, present more of a, a, a consistent threat to Lille because they had been missing Ashraf Hakimi because he was suspended after his red card against Marseille. And I think after those changes, they looked um, much, much better. So Pochettino deserves credit for that, even though he deserves, I think he deserves some criticism for still not having the PSG team playing the way anywhere near the way they should be expected to play. I think also that PSG, there is a reality. I mean, we say this, you know, a, t- a team that um, scores late winning goals, comes back to win games, shows that fighting spirit. Uh, that's that's the sign of a good team. It is one sign of a good team. And I think that that we need to recognise that in this PSG team, that while, of course, they, they should be capable of doing better, particularly in the league, the fact that they have this fighting spirit allied to the great technical quality in the team uh, is a good sign. And, and once again, they stretch their lead that bit more at the top of the table and they're looking very, very good indeed. So, um, you know, there's still more to come from a team that's eight points clear at the top. So that's that's not bad, is it? They were missing Mbappe out through illness and they definitely missed him because they had no one running in behind in the first half. Di Maria was quite often in the centre-forwards position with Messi, who was very quiet with before being withdrawn as a precaution at half-time, pulling out to the right-hand side quite a lot. So I agree with you, Andy, that PSG were better uh, once they tweaked their system, that Danilo dropped deeper to form a back three with Marquinhos and Kimpembe. And that gave them greater energy further up the pitch with the two fullbacks coming on and also with Marquinhos given licence to go forward a bit more. Uh, one worry I have for Paris Saint-Germain is particularly in the absence of Verratti, who was both suspended and injured, they basically need two Marquinhoses. They need Marquinhos in defence and they also need Marquinhos in a, in midfield, which is a conundrum that Pochettino's predecessor, uh, Thomas Tuchel, also had to deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, there, there are lots of problems that need to be resolved. And, and I mean, the absence of Mbappe is going to hurt any team. Uh, Lionel Messi going off at half-time was obviously um, disappointing as well. And I think that's something which needs to be um, cleared up because Messi's start in Ligue 1 has been a little bit uh, underwhelming, shall we say. All of, obviously, all his goals have come in the Champions League. He wasn't fully fit, I don't think, for this game. And I think it was a case of making sure he can play 
in Leipzig in the Champions League in midweek. And um, the bare statistics are not great for Messi because he hasn't scored yet in the league. And uh, and for Neymar as well, who's only got one goal in in uh, in all competitions this season, and that was a penalty. And I think uh, I think he's only got three goals from open play in the calendar year. But despite that, and despite looking a bit frustrated at times in the second half uh, against Lille as he was um, coming up against Zeki Shelik, the Lille right back, he did all credit to him. He um, he set up one great chance for Mauro Icardi, which could have been the winning goal, and then he did set up the winner for Angel Di Maria. So. It was a night for um, somebody other than than Mbappe to steal the show for PSG on this occasion. It was Di Maria, and uh, it just shows you the, the strength and depth which we all know that they've got. And of course, Robbie, who's joined us now for um, for the for the podcast, can can tell us all about it from the PSG perspective and from what it was like for his uh, last game at the Parc des Princes for a while. Yeah, Andy, uh, delighted to say that we've been joined by Robbie Thompson, who's already working on Australian time, it would appear. <laughs> but Robbie, it was it was a special night for you on Friday at the Parc de Prince. That ovation that we've already mentioned, Andy and myself. And what we really want to know is what present did the Paris Saint-Germain players give you? Did you get some Instagram shout-outs or maybe a drive in one of their fancy cars? Nothing nothing uh, like that. Just a few handshakes and a few uh, nice nods and a... And a, a, a surprisingly little amount of respect from the players, which I wasn't necessarily uh, expecting because they too uh, have a lot on their minds and, and bigger fish to fry. And, and it's not easy when they're focused on matches either, but had a, a nice moment with Presnel Kimpembe, for example, with Marquinhos, who had some, some nice words. So that was, that was cool. And uh, I wasn't expecting, well, I obviously wasn't expecting an ovation. I liked your tweet, Dave, that said that you would never have, thought it possible I didn't either I didn't know I honestly didn't know what was coming it was very nice we did our pre-match show and then there was a little send-off and uh it was very touching and more importantly and more interestingly I think for everyone was I I was then a special guest of the collective ultra Paris in the Otoy end in the front row um and that was that was quite an experience and I thank the the coupe for their for their generosity and their kind offer and uh and that was a that was a real experience because the noise and the atmosphere inside that stadium, inside that end with the with the ultras was a, I was very grateful and it was a a beautiful send off. And I don't know if I remember it from twenty years ago when I was in behind the goals. The stadium moves when everyone's jumping, and uh, and I experienced that again in the Otoy end where you really do feel the ground move under your feet, and it's spectacular. And it was looking bad at at. I, I I know you've discussed it. It wasn't looking good in the first half, and um, and I like to think that my singing and that of the collective ultra Paris in the last twenty minutes really helped get Paris across the line. So it was a a, a great evening, and thank you very much. And uh, and and yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I know you've got a long history with the party, Prince. I can remember attending games with you, Robbie, fully two decades ago. Yeah. And- and I've had plenty of PSG chat from you down the years. You trying to convince me that Martin Cardetti was the solution to Paris Saint-Germain's <laughs> striking problems. So it's a very temporary, different club temporary solution. Now. But, <laughs> but, but I'm sure that everyone at the Parc de France is looking forward to welcoming you back when uh, you come back over from Australia. Uh, forgive us that slightly self-indulgent yes. start to the podcast, but it, it was it was a big moment for Rob at, at the Parc de France. Paris Saint-Germain with their 10th league win of the season and uh, they are well clear at the top of Ligue 1 Uber Eats. There is a, a new club in uh, second place in the table now with Nice 
having climbed to second. They're eight points back. It would have been seven, but for that one-point deduction following the crowd disturbance in their home game against Marseille uh, in August. And Andy Delors scored twice as they came from behind to beat Angers. And uh, Delors really stepping up there because uh, they were missing Casper Delors. They were missing Evan Gesson as well at the weekend. And Delors is a player I think we all like because for his attitude and, and the goals he scores. I'm a big Andy Delors fan and I like what Nisa Nice are doing because I thought they started the season... Um, after a tough preseason and a new coach and, and new players as well, plenty of new players coming in, I, I thought it, they could have been forgiven for taking a little bit more time to adapt. I think they hit the ground running. And then in the last, last month or so, there have been a couple of little things that, little hiccups along the way. And you know, when players first arrive, they, they can really perform very well and then go through a little dip. And I think they've dealt with that little little dip as well, and they're showing plenty of character. Andy Delors has been a, a fantastic addition to that side because they have technicians, they have clinical footballers, and now they've got a player with a whole lot of charisma and, and that, that leadership that can, can help them show the type of character that they need to, to come from behind and get a result in a, in a match like this, where they, were, where they too were struggling. Just, just on, on Nice, that, that, that I think um, is worth pointing out that obviously... Since the last podcast, they, they played that rearranged game against um, Marseille. It finished in a 1-1 draw. And if we think back to August when that game was meant to be played and was unfortunately abandoned because of incidents with the crowd, Nice were, of course, winning at the time, um, given it a point deducted as well because of those incidents. You know, you're looking at them now, eight points behind PSG at the top, but in different circumstances, they might have held on to beat Marseille and they might not have had that point deducted. And uh, if my maths are, are not... Um, completely wrong they therefore would have been three points better off than than they are now so um it has been a really good start to the season for nice and, and it could have been even better and i think that we all thought that coming into this season they would be real contenders for certainly finishing among the european places but at the moment they're looking like proper contenders for a top three place more numbers for you or a number 68 68 meters the distance from which wabi kasri scored against mets in the battle of the bottom two Let's hear how Andy Scott described that fabulous Kasri goal. Yeah, is in the middle. Can he find him? Uh, credit to the uh, white shirts for getting back to save the day. And the attempt range might be heading in. It's an incredible goal. Goodness me, from Wabi Kasri. It's so good that Claude Puel is smiling. Not something we've seen too much recently. And it is uh, going to go down as one of the goals of the season. Just an incredible moment. What a goal. Uh, what, what an incredible moment. And um, it is, it's, it, I think um, it goes without saying. I mean, Opta, who, who do the, a lot of the statistics um, for, for Ligue 1, they um, published a tweet on Saturday night saying that it was the, the furthest out from which a goal had been scored since they started uh, compiling the records about 15 years ago, 68 metres. Um, and I think it's probably going to be going a fair bit beyond that to find a goal that was that was further out. I mean, the only goal that I can think of off the top of my head that I've ever seen um, on TV or in person that was scored from further out was by, I think, uh, Paul Robinson, the goalkeeper for Tottenham or Leeds in the English Premier League many years ago when he, he, he took a long goal kick out in a match against Stoke and, and it sailed over the, the other goalkeeper's head through the wind. Other than that, I can't think of one that's been scored from further out. It was just an incredible moment from Wabi Kasri. He, he said at the end of the game that he sort of looked up and 
and uh, there was nothing else on and he saw the goalkeeper out at the edge of his penalty box so he thought why not but you've still got to get it on target from all that way out and and he did that I mean it's it was just an incredible goal we've seen them um, in 2021 I think probably the the most famous example of a goal being scored from halfway or 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 thereabouts is Patrick Schick for the Czech Republic at Hamden at Euro 2020 which was an absolutely incredible goal as well it was a different trajectory this one was further out and I think um while it went in a straight line over the keeper's head, I think it was just just a, a marvellous piece of skill by Wabi Kazri to be able to pull that off. And, um, you know, it, it underlines as well what a great player he is because we all know that he's a very talented player. I mean, he's been doing, the, you know, great things in, in the French game for the best part of a decade at different clubs, at Bastia, at Bordeaux, at Rennes. Had that spell in English football, it didn't really work out. But now he is... He is such an important player for what is a very poor team at Saint-Étienne, a really struggling side. Let's not forget, despite that moment at the, the weekend, despite that goal that he scored, that was the equalising goal. They were 1-0 down. They got a 1-1 draw. And they've still not won a game this season. They have now gone 14 league and games without winning into the end of last season. That is now the longest ever run in their history in the top division without winning a game. This is a, a great club, one of the great institutions in French football, 10-time champions, they are in a pretty grave crisis and it would be so much worse without him. I mean, he scored seven of their, I think, 12 goals altogether this season. So they can be very thankful that they have Wabi Kazri and thanks to him, they've still got a fighting chance. Otherwise, they really would be adrift at the bottom of the table. What a, what a fabulous goal it was. I, yeah. I'm wondering if we need to change the language of football because uh, I used to read American sports reports and I, I used to hate that phrase, empty net goal, talking about an ice hockey match. But when you see goalkeepers coming that far out they're asked to sweep up and we know that that's vital to the way defenses operate these days but maybe we're going to have to start talking about empty net goals in football and in the game the other game I commentated apart from PSG Lille over the weekend John Louis Lecker came up from for set pieces towards the end and he looked his age as he tried to jog back towards his goal I think if Lyon had controlled the situation better they'd have scored he got a sneaky a, little touch on the goal. second corner didn't he Which he did yeah he did <laughs> I I just but yeah, I commentated the Sabah Khalifa goal against Nice a number of years mm-hmm. ago, which wasn't quite as far out as Kazri's, but is the the closest parallel in in modern league and history that I can find. I I, I agree with a, a lot of what Andy said, uh, particularly the stuff about Saint Etienne as well. But just about the goal, what was also impressive about Wabi Kazri and what just underlines really what a great player is. He scored in a World Cup as well for Tunisia a, a few years ago as well, which is nice and milestone for a player. And I think that players that score in World Cups as well, it just it's a great punctuation mark for, the, for, for a career, especially for a career like that, who's Wabi Kazri, who's been such a, a servant for, for football, you know, a, 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 a good career. But he chased all the way back. He's a forward who chased all the way back from, from it was a counter-attacking goal, and he was one of the three players in the Saint-Étienne box, which shows when a, when a team is, you know, as Andy said, 13 games without a win, and you're, you're taking a counter-attack like that against Mess, and, you're, and it's your forward who's tracking back. That's a, another thing to add to that goal. And a, and a little anecdote about empty net goals and, and, and in the vocabulary. I, I was playing football men, and this is going back even many more decades before Dave we were watching football together when I when I was still playing I I was at a training session and we were playing and it was quite competitive and the the two with the coach had split the squad into two and we were playing and at one point he just stopped the game and said stop 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 
guys, have a look at the goals. And there was no goalkeepers. And the goalkeepers were about 200 metres away. He'd taken the goalkeepers out of both goals and told them to walk away because no one was looking up. No one was looking to see the goal and no one was showing any ambition or initiative to actually score a goal. And he actually took the goalkeepers away and we were playing without goalkeepers for about eight minutes before he said, Stop. This was a Bordeaux-Saint-Étienne game, was it? <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a very interesting, interesting you know, exercise for you to think, when you get the football, look to see if you can score. Because that's the, the number one thing in football is scoring goals. So as soon as you get the football, if you're back to goal, if you're 70 metres from goal, if you're six metres from goal, the aim is still the same. The aim is to score goals. And it's Wabi Kazri did exactly that. He looked up. He may not have expected to see much. He didn't, maybe didn't expect to see a Kidja 35 yards out of his goal or think that he could do it. But when you do, that's when you think, well, we're here to score goals. Do it. And, uh, and, it, and it was a fantastic bit of and reminds us all the basics of football. The aim is to score. So when you get the ball, can you score? Yes, do it. If not, pass to someone else, dribble, do something cool. But uh, YB Kazri went, went route one. He did something pretty cool. I hope Lionel Messi's <laughs> listening to this, so maybe he'll get his first league and goal if he listens to Rob. Um, <laughs> the ever-popular Deja Who segment coming up in just a minute or two, but before that, we'll uh, have a talk about Marseille, who left uh, Dimitri Payet and Arcadius Milik on the bench as they went to Clermont, and this was commentated by Andy Scott. Iglesias losing out. And uh, Genduzi releasing under, under with the shot. That's a fabulous finish from Schengis under. Marseille have the goal. It's a fifth goal in a Marseille shirt for the Turkish international. So Andy, uh, Marseille got the 1-0 win. A very important win for them that sees them rise up the table to third. And their league form had been indifferent, I guess, coming into that game. And mm. Sampaoli took a bit of a risk by leaving out Payet and Milik with the, the game against Lazio coming up on Thursday. He did, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, we I mentioned before they had that game last midweek um, against Nice, a rearranged game and, and, and a lot of um, energy sapped in the Classic against Paris Saint-Germain last weekend. So Jorge Sampaoli made seven changes to his team for the match against Clermont and Milik and Payet were two of those who were left out of the, the starting lineup. Um, I, I think Robbie said this a few weeks ago when he talked about Clermont beating Lille uh, that it was that the some what the French TV commentator Julien Brun described it as being like the atmosphere at a Coupe de France tie between um, a big club coming to visit a, a lower league team, and that's what it was like last night. It was the, obviously the first time that Marseille had come to town, and um, I said it in my commentary. I think it's always worth emphasising. I know that most people who listen to this podcast um, have maybe spent time in France, or obviously they're interested in French football more generally. But I think if you've not been to France, or if you don't really know French culture, it's hard to appreciate just how big Marseille are as a football club, and therefore how big an occasion it is when Marseille come to town to, to play your team. That is obviously amplified when, in the case of Clermont, it's the first time they've been in the top division. It's the first time they've ever played at home to Marseille. So it was a huge occasion. Uh, the game was sold out. I think um, every ticket had been sold in under half an hour from them going on sale. Um, a small ground, both ends open to the elements, and it was torrential rain it was it was a it was a, a pretty miserable evening down there in in, in central france and and um, despite that a great atmosphere uh, and clermont put up a fight but they're ultimately a pretty limited team at this level they left out their top scorer mohammed bayo um who had an unfortunate incident last weekend he was arrested after being involved in a in a car accident and um, it was it was decided by the clermont manager that 
he maybe wasn't quite in the right frame of mind to start the game uh, last night as a result. So it was it was a limited team that Marseille were coming up against, despite the um, the, the heated atmosphere. And um, they had to grind out the victory because it wasn't a great performance. It was a nice goal by Shengi Zunder, but uh, not a vintage performance, not one that they'll particularly remember perhaps come the end of the season. But they were able to rest Payet and Milik at the start. They were able to get the result. Just the second win in nine games in all competitions. So despite all that we've been saying and I've been saying about how great Marseille are to watch this season, I think which is the case a lot of the time, um, the results have not been great recently. And yet despite that, they're back up into third place in the table. And you do still feel that if they can keep on getting results like this, they will be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Not not uh, PSG's level at the very top, but certainly in contention for a top three place. And in that sense, this is a really important result. I said this last week, Andy, that uh, Sam Paoli's been showing his pragmatic side, that uh, pragmatic in leaving out Payet and Milik, I think, and also having got those draws against Paris Saint-Germain and Nice, um, they managed to get another clean sheet. That's five clean sheets that they've had this season. And that's not the first thing that you associate with Marseille. When you think Marseille, you do think about this high energy style and them going on the attack. But Rob, they're showing that there are more facets to them than people thought at the start of the season. Yeah, and I think it. I think they're important facets to their game as well because their their three man defence and their their leaky left side of the defence and all of this, which was decried for so long. I think we saw it, and and a lot of people probably around the world because a lot of people tuned in for the the classique against Paris Saint Germain. But we saw there that that this Marseille side can defend, and we also saw another thing which. And this is something when we when we get caught up in the romanticism of a of a Bielsa type or a Sam Pauli type or any 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 coach with a with a Midas touch and a and a strong sense of character is that we sometimes forget about the fact that as 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 you both say there are, there is a very pragmatic approach as well to coaching and there's a pragmatic approach to a season as well where you know Milik has only just come back from a, a long layoff. He can't play every game straight away. He's got to be rested. He's got and all of these things. And Payet is not is not a, a young young up and comer anymore. He's another player that you have to and you have to pick and choose your matches as a coach. You have to pick and choose your battles. You've got European football, and there are going to be matches and there are going to be periods as well in which you don't win games three three nil four nil. You don't go out there trying to score a whole lot of goals. There are going to be periods of the season which will get lost in, in years to come when we look back at the records, periods where you had to do it a little bit tougher, where you had to knuckle down, where you had to batten down the hatches and just say, look, we've, we've now picked this part of the calendar of the, the fixture list, sorry, I'm still speaking franglais, 24 hours before I leave the country, where, where you say, okay, in this period, we're going to try and regenerate a little bit the squad, we're going to try and work on recovery, and we're going to try and get you know, a maximum of points without being flashy. For me, it's full credit to Sam Pauli, not something we associate necessarily with a Sam Pauli figure. I think it bodes well for Marseille, having written them off a couple of weeks ago and said how disappointed I was with their performance against PSG. That's football for you. And uh, the Marseille story <laughs> is going to be fascinating to watch through till the end of the season. Also fascinating to all of our listeners is uh, Deja Who. And we can have a look at uh, Deja Who now and we'll start with uh, last week's competition. Last week's clues. I spent most of my career in my native country bar a two-year spell in Spain and a three-year spell in France where I played for just one club. 
A stylish midfielder, I never really fulfilled my potential in Ligue 1, but did help the club win a Coupe de France in the first decade of the millennium. At my French club, I was presented to the press on the same day as a future Ballon d'Or winner. Uh, a wrong answer here. Frenchy went for Cesar Delgado. Uh, congratulations to James Cathy, Michel Mas, Davor Tokavic, Paul Thomas Clay, Kev Sherwood and Habi Barr, who all correctly guessed that uh, last week's Deja Who was Hugo Leal, who uh, had a two-year spell at Atletico Madrid, was in France from 01 to 04 at Paris Saint-Germain, won the Coupe de France and was presented to the press on the same day as a certain Ronaldinho. I think uh, this week's one is a bit of a tester. I, just, uh, I have to on, also Rob. add that uh, uh, an Australian-based Frenchie by the name of Jeremy Magin also got it right via Twitter. I saw him post and, and reply to uh, the official podcast tweet with the correct answer as well. So... Yeah, and do enter made. by using the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter or answer by email to legampodcast at gmail.com. So this week's clues. A young striker who arrived in France from Brazil with a flourishing reputation, I won a Ligue title in my only full season. I played alongside Pierre-Alain Frault, Hatton Ben Arthur and Jeremy Clement. My name sounds like an early video console version of that of one of my compatriots. Hmm. Teasing there from Ian Holyman, our executive producer. I'll just repeat the clues. A young striker who arrived in France from Brazil with a flourishing reputation. I won a league and title in my only full season. I played alongside Pierre-Alain Froot, Hatton Ben Arthur and Jeremy Clement. And my name sounds like an early video console version of that of one of my compatriots. Answers to podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag Deja Who on Twitter. Good luck with that. Our last featured game this week is Olympique Lyonnais against Lens. Le Sonnier came to Groupama Stadium standing second in the table. Lyon were trying to make up for their capitulation at Nice the previous weekend when they allowed a 2-0 lead to slip and lost 3-2. And I commentated this one. Bruno Guimaraes, Paqueta back to goal to Guimaraes. The challenge from behind, penalty. Toko Ikambi scores. It's his fourth goal in his last five league games. He's on fire at the moment. And just as against Monaco two weeks ago, Toko Ikambi scores from the spot. Nicely done by Toko Ikambi to Aoua. Toko Ikambi on the move, holds his run to stay on side and forces a very good stop from Lecker. But Aoua follows up to make it 2-0 to Olympique Lyonnais. Medina slows it to walking pace. Dummy by Fafana, the return ball is lovely from Kalimwendo. Oh, and the scuff shot from Kalimwendo is in. It's a lucky goal, but Lons deserved to have one back. So Lyon managing to get a 2-1 win as they held off a Gael Kakuta-inspired Lons in the second half. And I think Peter Bosch, and he admitted this after the game, he had learned from what went wrong at Nice, where he made his first substitution in the 88th minute. This time, he brought on Thiago Mendes early to try to settle things down. And though, without Anthony Lopez, I don't think Leon would have got the three points. He made two ridiculous saves, one from Kakuta and one from Wesley Saeed. Uh, in the last 25 minutes, Lons didn't have a serious chance. Uh, and that shows that Leon are starting to get a bit more mature, they still have their fragilities. They're still vulnerable. But given the talent they have and with Toko Ikombi on fire, 
Usamawa back to his best form and hopefully them able to get the likes of uh, Musa Dembele and Islam Slimani fully fit soon, Lyon could be going in the right direction again. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it's funny, I was speaking to you before before that game, Dave. Uh, we were chatting, weren't we? And, and you were saying you were looking forward to it because um, everything suggests it should be an entertaining game. And it was because I think there was, I think it was 31 shots on goal in the end in total. Um, longs are always always fun to watch this season. But I think it's a promising result for Lyon. I think they're unbeaten now in, in eight games at home between the league and Europa League. So turning their Group Amma Stadium into a bit more of a fortress, which is important for them. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the quality of players they have, you touched on them. Yeah, of course, they should be up there towards the top of the table. And it's very, very um, competitive in terms of the fighting for position behind PSG. But, you know, they have they have good enough players to be able to to get in there. I mean, Lucas Paqueta, we say it every week, you know, he's one of the very best players in 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 the French game. And there are plenty of others around him. Good, good to see Usain Mawar popping up and scoring an important goal because I think they've they've needed him to step up and he's done it in that game. Uh, I think it underlines, you know, the, the potential that this Leon team have. Zerdan Shakiri still not his, his best though. Um, he was Leon's worst player. Let's just be honest about it. He, he didn't do much at all. And being a left footer on the right hand side, I, I said the same things about Paqueta when he first joined. It's just like he was always cutting back onto his left foot and never looking like he was going to be dangerous. It worked out for Paqueta in the end. We all know how good Shakiri can be, but so far in his Lyon career, it's not happened. It's it's been a slow start for the Swiss international. Yeah, I'm I'm in, very impressed with Carl Toko Akambi because he was one of those players where I thought he, you know, Lyon could could just about be a step too far, and he's he's really embraced it. He's in fantastic form for for club and country at the moment, and. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he'll ever be a player that necessarily captures the imagination of, a, of, of footballing fans who think, oh, you know, I, I love his style, but he's, he's fast, he's efficient, he, he, he's scoring important goals, he's playing in a very important role in this Leon side. And just to add my, my two cents worth to that final 20 minutes, Dave, as you said, when, when Lance didn't have a, a serious chance in the match... I really thought they were going to come back and do it. I was I was anticipating that that little nervy, shaky last few minutes for Olympic Lyonnais, and and they just they really did hold on. They really did defend well. And and Anthony Lopez said it at the end of the match, didn't he? He said that that the only thing that counted this evening was the three points, and and it, it really was that. You get these periods in seasons as well where where a result is a, is cathartic, you know, with, despite not not anything to do with the style or the way you did it just getting the result you learn to you you learn to love defending together they lost a couple of important players in in the match to little injuries as well dubois and, and boateng so the fact that they held on i think will be a a real boost to them moving forward yeah well done to to leon for holding on to get that result uh, against lons and uh, lons have dropped a couple of places in the table after that defeat, but they'll be fine. And Gel Kakuta coming back towards 100% fitness, nearly won the game on his own in the second half. Seko Fafana was immense, and we say that every week. Uh, those two combining together, and Frankowski and Klaus out wide, uh, they cause problems for, for every team. Uh, no problem at all for, for Frankes' side. Schwarzbuckling stuff. I like them. I think they're, they're, they're like the those sides that come up every now and again that just have appear to have no fear and just go for it. And they're, they're riding a wave of confidence over the last two seasons. It's good. 
Let's have a look at the best of the rest now. And uh, Brest scored their first win of the season, beating Monaco 2-0. Monaco down in 10th place in the table, and they are five points behind Marseille, who are third at the moment. Strasbourg, meanwhile, they're scoring goals for fun at home at the Menu Under Julian Stefan, they demolished Lorient 4-0. Montpellier beat Nantes 2-0. And Adil Rami, the World Cup winner, was on the score sheet for Trois, his first Trois goal, as they drew 2 all with Rennes. Now, it's a pity, well, as every week when he's not on the podcast, that Armel Tongi's not here, because... I just want to talk about Jimmy Brion before we start thinking about where we might want to go to watch our league on football this weekend because Brion came off the bench uh, this weekend and he scored twice for Bordeaux as they came from behind to beat Reims 3-2. Um, Brion in that half, scoring more goals than Neymar and Messi combined all season long. And Brion has now scored in 17 different league and seasons which I think is more seasons than even Robbie Thompson has commentated league and football Jimmy Briand is a real league and podcast favourite and uh, great to see him on the score sheet and performing uh, Vladimir Petkovic needed that result and well, long may it continue for Jimmy Briand and he, he's got his hundred up and uh, heading towards his double century now <laughs> Slowly but surely. It'll be like Stanley Matthews still playing when he's in his 50s. But he still knows his way to goal. You, you never <laughs> lose that instinct, do you, Andy? Never, no, no. Uh, bon Voyage, I think, for me, takes on a, a very special meaning this week with Robbie on his way to Australia. So um, good luck with your journey, Rob. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the podcast again soon. And for us, it's a case of au revoir, not goodbye. Uh, but let's have a think about where we might want to watch our league and football this coming weekend in Bon Voyage. Yeah, it's, it's um, once again. I think there's there's a there's a few games next weekend that are going to be worth uh, looking out for. I think um, Ren against Lyon on, on Sunday night will be a very good one. Ren have been uh, in very good form. We haven't really talked about them, but eight games unbeaten. Uh, despite not managing to get the win yesterday, they're looking in good shape. And um, obviously Lyon as well. I think Nice against Montpellier will be good as well. Uh, and it will be Andy Delors coming up against his old club. So why not um, head down to the Côte d'Azur uh, for that one to see um, to see Christophe Galtier's team who are uh, looking to keep the pressure on towards the top of the table against what is a very good Montpellier team, despite the fact they're in sort of mid-table. They are very entertaining to watch. So that should be fun. I'm going to go to Bordeaux because... Uh... I was there at the part of the Prince de Sicile and Messi score his first Paris Saint-Germain goal against Manchester City. And I want to be able to say that I was there to see his first league goal. I mean, I've had to go to a lot of games to, to try and get that uh, bragging right. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go and see whether Jimmy Brion can, can outshine Lionel Messi. But I think this week, the, the last word has to go to Robbie Thompson. Over to you, Robbie. I'm going to be tuning in to the Liga Highlights show on what will be Monday morning in, uh, in Sydney, Australia, to listen to you guys and, uh, and catch up with all the action on Liga. I will be able to watch a few matches, I trust, in, a, in Australia. I know that it's carried there. Um, but in terms of heading to the stadium, in terms of commentating the Liga football, um, I'll just be sitting back and relaxing and enjoying listening to you guys. So best of luck for all of you and uh, enjoy. And to you, Robbie. I, I, can, I, can I ask Robbie a quick question um, just about the A-League season, which is starting soon? Are there any um, 
French players or ex-league arm players to look out for in, in the A-League these days? There, there is. There's one is an Australian champion, Berenguet, a former Socho midfielder who wears the number 10 shirt for Melbourne City. And otherwise, a youngster by the name of Unkololo has just signed from Kakafu, I think it is, for the, for the Central Coast Mariners. So a guy, the youngster wow. that came through the Brest Youth Academy. Um, but for the moment, we've, we've had a lot of Australian players in, in Australia over the years, the likes that have made a big impact, the likes of Fayed Ben Kalfala, uh, Dudu Fatty was there as, was there as well. Um, William Gallus played for a, a short while in, in Australia as well. So, no, they're, they're, it's at lean times at the moment, perhaps. I can only think of two at the moment, but we'll see. French players, are, of course, always welcome. Perhaps I'll see if there's not a little sideline, if anyone need, needs any advice. <laughs> well, Robbie, uh, good luck with uh, the move and uh, do enjoy your league and football at breakfast and uh, Le Beaujeu uh, at aperitif time when you're over there. Thanks to Robbie and thanks to Andy for joining me, David Crossan, on this week's edition of Le Beaujeu. We'll see you all again next week when Robbie won't be here. He'll be down under, but Matt might be back from his holidays. So see you then. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye bye. Oh, Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. 